Well, of course I do. I tell people how fortunate am I to live in the greatest nation in the world where not only do I lose my arms and legs and have the ability to walk and drive, feed myself, uh, sit here with you in my kitchen. My wife and my uh, son are, are gone running errands. My daughter's at school by myself doing this. And also, as I mentioned previously, I own outright one business. I have two businesses I have partners in, insurance company in a lodge and a marina, as well as my nonprofit, which is thriving. So the American dream is not dead. I think people that say a 40 hour work week, they're complaining about, I work 40 hours and you know, I'm not getting by. Don't realize that 80 hour work weeks are more like it. Like you have to, if you're not willing to go the extra mile, then you're not going to get the extra mile. This is episode number 127 with Travis Mills. You're listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, my name is Dave Brown. I'm here with my co-host and partner, Barbara Allen, and this is the first episode of 2020. And before we get into it, just want to wish all of you a very happy new year. Hope all of you have a wonderful and successful 2020. And to start you know, this year off here at America Sippets, we couldn't be happier, uh, more excited to have uh, today's guest on the show. His name is uh, Travis Mills. Uh, Travis Mills uh, lost both arms and both legs in Afghanistan. But one thing that an IED could not take from him was the spirit with which he lives his life. In the wake of a near-death incident that robbed him of his limbs, Travis Mills has achieved more than many people do in a lifetime, let alone in a handful of years, all while struggling to rebuild his own strength and forge his own path in a body that was completely different to him. With the love and partnership of his wife and an inner drive no bomb can touch, Travis Mills has built a foundation to guide other veterans and charge forward on an entrepreneurial path all at the same time. He inspires audiences around the country. He makes them laugh in the process. And on this episode of American Sippets, he also shares his next big step. So without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Travis Mills. You're listening to the American Snippets Podcast. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I'm your co-host, Barb Allen. I get to sit down today with Travis Mills. Travis was on his third deployment in August or April 2012 when he put his backpack down, very unluckily, on an IED. And the result of the injuries that he suffered from that cost him all of, uh, both of his arms and both of his legs. When he woke up in the hospital two days later on his 25th birthday is when he fully realized the impact of his injuries. But rather than give in and dive into being the victim or even calling himself a wounded warrior, don't call him a wounded warrior. He's a recalibrated warrior. He's gone on to become a motivational speaker, an actor, an author, and an advocate for veterans and amputees. Travis travels around the country to discuss how he's overcome life's challenges, breaking physical barriers and defying the odds by adhering to his motto, never give up, never quit. He's a New York Times bestselling author, as a matter of fact. And today he is here on our show, and we are very excited to have him and share his message and his story with you, our American Snippets community. Thank you, Travis, for sitting down with us today. Well, thanks for having me. Boy, I tell you what, the intro, I keep adding to it. I mean, I sound awesome. You right? do. I know. Uh, and I, I, I had to cut some stuff off because, you know. I know. <laughs> I know. No, I, uh, I always get weirded out when people read that whole intro thing. I didn't create it. And I mean, everything in there, I guess, is something that I've done. But, you know, hey, mostly I'm yeah. just... Just a happy guy, husband, father, and um, just keep pushing forward, you know? I hear you. So let's start with the most important part of your story, okay? Yeah. You met your wife on MySpace. I did. <laughs> I did. Well, I mean, it wasn't did necessarily you? by chance. Her brother was my medic yeah. in my first appointment, and she saw pictures of the team, and he was showing everybody at his, you know, when he was home in September of 07, like all the guys in the team, and she thought, you know, I had a, a special kind of look to me. So she thought she better send a MySpace friend request. And um, she did. So I had, I had accept and we started chit chatting. That's awesome. I, I love those stories because I met my fiance on Match or eHarmony or one of those, both at the same time, I think, you know, we were double dipping. But um, yeah, I, I love the stories and people say it doesn't work, but it does. I know maybe you obviously kind of had that connection 
in advance and all that. But do you remember what your what your bio said on MySpace? Oh, geez, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> These are the important questions. Yeah, I don't probably say, but, um, uh, you know, that I was, a, and I'm pretty sure I told everybody that in high school, I was a grocery packaging engineer. Um, Very nice. That's what I did for my job for four years, believe it or not. And uh, I don't know, probably a bunch of pictures of me with my friends and the guys overseas. Some shirtless pics, no big deal, whatever. Shirtless pics, no big deal. I had a rule, well, whatever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what my rules were. Okay. <laughs> well, not like, not like shirtless like that, just like, yeah. you know, that's where we're living and stuff. Anyway. Anyway. Okay, well, good. Now that we got that out of the way, I'm very happy to hear you are another success story of somewhat internet dating, even though you sort of cheated a little bit on that. But, you know, it's a happy ending and you're a good advocate for it. I mean, you're a good example of it. And I always encourage people to hop on. All right. But back to like more serious, obviously, and your story is very well known and you're all over the country. You're, I can't, you know, Fox News, you're pretty much a regular, it seems like there, you know, um, but that's, that's all good. It's important that, that you get out there. And you, I mean, you were injured and like a year later, you and your wife started this foundation. You had to still be going through pretty extensive recovery at that time. And yet, like that alone would be enough for people. And you had a young baby, but you're like, this yeah. seems like a good time to start a foundation. And I love that because I love people who are like, when they got the most going on or the most buried, they're like, let's take on another mountain at the same time. Um, well, so, we, you know, yeah. we, what it is now, the foundation now has grown just exponentially and it's huge. When we started, we just thought that we were going to just give care packages and send them overseas and stuff like that um, to my units that were over there, my guys in their units. And we just thought everybody was doing such wonderful things for us. We might as well give back. And after about 13 months at Walter Reed, I was basically done with my recovery, um, which was pretty, pretty quick. And then six months more after that was like finalizing the paperwork and getting all done and moving out. And um, I figured I had a lot left to do. I was only 25 and I got hit. So might as well keep pushing forward. And the best way to do that, that made me feel the best was to give back. So Kelsey and I started the nonprofit, uh, the Travis Mills Foundation. and you know, when we started it in 13 to where we're at now in 19, it's just crazy. We're one of the, you know, top nonprofits out there for veteran service organizations. And I think we brought in over $5 million donations this year. And I can tell everybody confidently that I don't take a dime. None of my board gets paid um, to be on the foundation's board or be a part of it. And we're able to give some amazing, uh, you know, things to these families that have been through something so severe with amputation, uh, spinal cord injury or paralyzation, something of a physical injury. Yeah, that's just amazing. And I, you know, when you say, so my wife and I started a nonprofit, I know it is much more detailed than just, oh, we're going to start a nonprofit. Like that, that's actually like a, a project and a process. You know, how did you guys go from having the idea to start a nonprofit? It's one thing to have a conversation, right? I, we should give back and we should do this. And there's a lot of ways to do that without going through all the pain in the ass it is really to start the nonprofit. So how did you guys go make that leap from the idea to like actually putting that in motion and getting that done? Well, I remember when I was overseas, we'd get all these packages sent to us and they're really nice people were sending packages, but they'd be like baby powders and uh, disposable razors and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, my pa my boxes, my wife sent me and my mom and dad is so much better because it has beef jerky, peanut butter M&Ms, uh, Orbit gum. You know, things that, that I wanted that all the guys around me couldn't wait to like, hey, you uh, you going to share that? Gummy bears. <laughs> I had like a one of those big five-pound bags of gummy bears, you know. And I thought, let me just send what people really want. And I was going to base it off from guys that I'd served with that were in different units now and deployed and help them out. And, uh, you know, we did that the first year. It went very well. But as time went on and the mission kind of changed, we realized that um, there was more that we could do. And there was... You know, Kelsey and I donated $5,000 of our own money to get us started. And we were able to bring out some families eventually to Maine and show them how to do things adaptively. And it, it worked out very, very well for us. Yeah. And, you know, how we first heard about you is like way back on our sixth episode, we interviewed David Babora. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Did he tell you a, a story how he met me? And I was like, I can't work out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the thing is, the guy is a phenomenal guy, good friend of mine, but yeah. boy, he inflates that. I met him at a birthday party <laughs> drinking whiskey. 
And <laughs> oh, here and, he goes getting good. Yeah. Go and I said, Hey man, what's going on? And he told me what he did and everything. I said, wow, geez, that sounds awesome. I said, conventional gyms just don't work for me anymore. He said, well, why don't you come to my gym and try out performance vault, which is what it was called at the time. I said, yeah, sounds good. So I went and worked out with him and he trained Olympic athletes and NFL um, prospects. And it was not, it was not cheap for a guy to train with him, but I wanted it and it helped me tremendously. We became really close friends. And then he wanted to start a nonprofit because he realized that um, the money he charged probably wasn't something as available to people in my situation um, as it was to Olympic athletes and, and NFL yeah. people. So he started a nonprofit and I helped him, you know, get through whatever I could help him get through. And it, it the debt training foundation has turned out great, but you know, he'll go around and tell people that story. Like I met Travis and he was just like, I can't work out. And I'm like, David, I was drinking a glass of whiskey, talking to you drinking a glass of whiskey with Clint Bruce drinking a glass of whiskey at Clint's birthday party. Just, you know, but again, phenomenal That's guy, great. wonderful family, you know, and I'm happy he's doing, he, he's doing some tremendous work. Yep. That's great. Well, way to take one for another team then, you know, to, to offer yourself up at the altar of helplessness, I guess, in his story. So that's, so that, so that I just, he, he goes around. I got to correct him all the time. He goes around and tells people, well, you know, I met Travis Mills and I'm like, bro, we were drinking whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> that's how a lot of good stories begin. Well, yeah. I bought, a, I, um, I own a Marina down the road from my house. Yeah. It's a for-profit business. My buddy and I were drinking whiskey one night and then his wife and my wife said, don't you buy that? So we did. And, <laughs> Now I own, it's called Lakeside Lodge and Marina, but it's 170 boat slips to rent out. we got a cafe. They're tearing the, the old office and stuff out right now, putting a cafe in, in the off season. And like 46 cabins and cottages and rooms, if you want to ever come visit. So, you know. Nice. That is, that is cool. What prompted you to buy a marina? Was it something that you always wanted to do? Or was it like sitting around no. drinking one night and it seemed like a good idea? I pulled up on my boat to get fuel and the owner yeah. said, Hey Travis, you should buy this place. And I said, why would I do that? <laughs> and he said, come look at the P and L's. And I said, I don't know what thing it stands for. And it stands for profit and loss margins. I found out. I didn't know that. And, uh, my buddy who's my neighbor who I just met, cause I just moved to Maine. I'm not from here originally, but my wife is. And I met him and we got in trouble. We went and bought guns to be honest with you. And we never knew each other really before that. And then I said, I can't really buy one. My wife didn't say it could. He said, my wife didn't say it could either. I said, well, if you buy one, I'll buy one. So we had this idea we'd buy <laughs> guns. So we each bought a gun, got grounded two weeks from each other. <laughs> and then while I was grounded, I got offered to buy a marina. So we got ungrounded. I said, hey, man, I got offered to buy this marina. You want to buy this? He thought it was a good idea. It turns out it's, it has been because yeah. the, the previous owner had a wonderful client base already. He wasn't really into expansion. He's been at it 29 years. And the moves that we're making has really increased revenue and sales and um, and you know, it's, it's exciting what we have going on. I also own a, I'm a part owner of an insurance company too. Weird, right? That seems to go, to go together. Yeah. And, it and makes now perfect sense. Yeah. I doubt that my wife's going to listen to this before um, Wednesday because she doesn't want me to do this next business, but I'm buying a, <laughs> I'm buying an old barn to make a whiskey and gin distillery in a tavern in a three and a half acres for a beer garden and a live music stage. Don't tell her. But I, I that's awesome. You heard it here first, everyone. That's great. That seems like yeah. that's a that's a good road trip up to Maine. What are you, you're probably six hours from us. I've never been to Maine, so now I feel like now I have more of a reason yeah. to go Matter check fact, out what you're doing. Yeah. Because we have the marina, and the next to the marina is this old barn I'm buying. We're going to renovate that and come out May uh, next year, not this year, coming up, but the year after. Yeah. We're going to have an awesome place to party. That's excellent. Are you going to keep that like strictly separate from your your retreats and your events you do you think oh yeah so my my foundation stays completely separate i have yeah. right now three for-profit businesses that i either own outright or i have partners right. in. but i mean and you're not gonna bring your events to those locations and like take them out on boats and all that you're gonna roll any of those out we actually in? Have, so we have boats at the foundation we have three boats that we use at the foundation okay. for all that but if we do have a night where we're gonna have like a dinner or maybe maybe we have a special brew of whiskey coming out and we have people that want to come try it course we'll bring them out there and then awesome. the company like the company will eat the cost obviously i'm not going to have the company get paid by my foundation to do this stuff but either way sorry i got off track i, I didn't mean to i love I just, getting off track that's where the good yeah. stuff is i, I, I feel like that's where the good stuff is yeah yeah since i have a meeting on wednesday we're going to close hopefully in january but we're going to michigan to my mom and dad's house for christmas 
I don't know my wife to really understand about the the barn that she told me I shouldn't or I can't. Well, I, don't know, I can't remember what she said. I think she said, don't you buy that <laughs> barn. I don't want to tell her that I'm buying it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. All right. We'll hang on to this for another week, but only because only because you mentioned that. Um, all right. So do you remember like going back to your first event that you had? How did that go? Like how how did your very first event for your foundation unfold? How did you find the people who wanted to attend? How did you find the people to volunteer? And was there like any memorable moment in that? that caused you to be like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have done this? Or that was like, oh, hell yeah, this is why we're doing it. Well, you know, we actually, so it was all like blue collar, Kelsey's family, my mom and dad, or my dad and my grandpa came up to help and we rented a camp from the guy. And it's, um, it was awesome, you know, and it was really just homegrown. And the families we chose were people who hung out at Walter Reed to see if it would work. And it went so well the first year, we did again the next year. And it went so well then that, we were able to just kind of keep moving the needle forward. And after the first year we thought, okay, cool. And, and to be honest, it was when we started this, I was supposed to be the face of this program, but it's supposed to be someone else running it. And then I went all over the, the nation, well, more, more all over Maine talking about this, getting donations for this. Then the people that wanted to do it were like, Hey, uh, this doesn't really fit in our mission statement for what we do. So we're going to just, you know, let it fizzle out. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And uh, they were actually upset because all the money was getting earmarked for the Travis Mills project, which was supposed to be called. And Kelsey and I were like, no, 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 no. We're not going to have that. That looks like, you know, we just schemed everybody or, or whatever. So we took it over and, you know, happy to say now it's, it's been a, it's, it's truly been a success. In 2017, we opened our foundation's uh, doors officially and we were able to bring in 89 families that week. And then after that, the year, um, Last year was 131 families, and then this year is over 200 families. And we have expansion stuff going on right now where it's going to be amazing. We're going to have 40 weeks a year that we're doing, and over 400 families per year helped. 40 weeks out of the year, you're going to have people coming to Maine. Yeah, we have a. Everybody always talks about PTSD with me, like, oh, I got that PTSD, or my loved one I know has PTSD, and it's like, well, that's too bad. What are they doing about it? And a lot of times we're like, well, wait, what do you mean? What am I doing about it? Like, I, I have PTSD, and I'm like, yeah, but what are you doing to get better? Because I don't suffer from anything mentally fortunately for me and they don't really have a lot of times they don't have an answer well there's programs out there and one that we're partnering with it's called warrior's path and you can look it up online it's p-a-t-h-h so it's got double h but um what it is is 18 month kind of online course that you take and it's like full of this knowledge and what their basis is is that you were built up to be a military service member but you're never broken down to be a civilian and you do one week at a retreat and then you have 17 months and three weeks on this online course and like different meetups and stuff. But for that first week where they go to this retreat, they have a very um, rigid curriculum that you go through and they got a grant from the government to open up uh, 10 more facilities, not open facilities, but like partner with. Okay. And you know, I, I I'm not tired of the question about PTSD. I'm, I'm uh, more about how can we help you with PTSD? And this is the best way for me to help because you know, I found a way to pick myself up, move forward. And if I can help people understand like, Hey, there's not just, Hey, I have PTSD. I'm done. Let's keep pushing forward. That's the whole part of recalibrate and you know, your new normal and adjust and adapt. So it's exciting. We're going to be in May opening that. So that'll be 10 weeks of that. 10 weeks will be a for, for the warrior's path program. Then we have caregiver weeks and spouse week. And then we have obviously the family weeks and just trying to, trying to not reinvent the wheel, but, but help people along. Yeah, that's amazing. So who is eligible to come as an attendee to your, your events? So when we put the retreats on, it's uh, physical injury right now. So paralyzation, amputation, spinal cord injury, something that happened physically during service. So you can be in a motorcycle accident while you're in the army or while you're you know uh, in the service and still qualify. But if you're you know, emailing it about PTSD and things like that, how you want to come, well, we don't, you know, we have you go to Warriors Path or home-based program out of Boston. And now we'll start filling in our own slots for that because a lot of emails we get are like, Hey, I have this and I want to come do that. And we're like, well, we don't, we don't offer that, but we do have this program you can be a part of. And you know, when people want to get, get in the program, get excited about it and sign up, that's great. And people get frustrated with me and tell my staff that I would, you know, I have a, a lady that does all the emails and she runs programming and people will be like, well, Travis would be ashamed that you're not letting me come. And, oh, yeah. and, 
what uh, my program director says lightly. And I told her, don't, don't just let him know. Like, no, I'm don't be ashamed or don't tell him. No, I'm not ashamed about this. Like I want you to get the help that you deserve. And there's ways around this to live a positive and, and happy life. So we're trying to connect the dots there. And, you know, it's, it's sad because some people will just, you know, curse my name because they think that they're deserving to come to something that, well, they have, they have the, you know, other ways to get there. And after the 18 month course is up, we'll then see what families really, you know, the program got better. I'm, I'm moving on and we'll probably have a week for that, you know, do a couple of retreats weeks for those people as well, because, you know, we want them to get the help that they, that they need and to get life on track. again. Yeah. You know, and that's a tough topic that you just talked about how people get upset with you about not being able to come in. You know, I'm, I'm a military widow. And so I see that on the other side, um, you know, with some people it, in the widow community, if you call it that, you know, there's, it's, it's very hard to understand. I think when you're so emotionally invested in, in your life or you're a little overwhelmed or you don't know what to do, you see something that you think is going to help, but it's hard to kind of separate your needs from the realities of organizations. The reality is there's so many organizations out there now and no one organization should have to, or should be expect, expected to do anything at all, let alone cover every single need of every single individual. It's actually more impactful when an organization specializes in one area and stays true to that mission and then aligns with other organizations like you're doing to say, hey, you don't fall into our organization, but here's an organization you do, right? And here's those requirements. And the other thing is people can get upset about requirements they have to meet. I don't know if you cover like travel to your retreat, you know, the expenses you do. We cover everything. And that's the thing, like you can really weed out the... Yeah. Uh, and I hate, I don't hate to say the term weed out, but you can yeah. really tell what people are serious. Like, oh, wow, I had no idea this program existed. I definitely want to, you know, get better. And it's like, hey, look, we'll put the recommendation in for you. Like we, like we never want to have the answer of like, I don't know, or I can't help right. you. Like my exec director, Brandy, who is phenomenal, has helped people from foreclosing on their house, like found a way to like help them get established. They weren't injured like I was injured, but the same time they emailed in, wanted help, and she connected them with Easter Seals because they fit a program that they had. So our problem yeah. at the foundation is never going to be that we don't have an answer. What the problem is going to be is people that don't want to hear that answer. People that are expecting like, well, no, I, I, I want to come there and I want to do this. I don't want to do that. And I'm like, you know, it, it, if you can't, you know, take the steps to get better to help yourself, why, why would I, you know? Uh, I'm not heartless. I, I think I'm coming across as heartless. Am I coming across no, as heartless? No, you're not coming across as heartless. Maybe just someone, you know, who falls in the category who, who would get upset at that. But I mean, I've seen and I've worked with people and I've been part of organizations. I've had to say no to people and I've had I have people emailing me all the time. Hey, can you fix this? Like, And at one point I was that person who was desperate for somebody to like make a phone call and say, can I come here and can you fix all of my problems for me? Because my brain is so tired. I can't possibly think of my own solution anymore. Yeah. Right? And I feel like that's, and then you get like told, no, you have to make this phone call and that phone call and that phone. It's like misdirected anger and frustration that comes out did, towards you. Did, mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you do anything with like taps or anything like that? Oh, my kid. Yeah. Yeah. We've been to, we've been to taps. Um, I don't know how I feel about them. I've, I've met them, but see, that's, we've had meetings yeah. with all these, these organizations that help specifically for certain things. Um, you know, and people that will email in will say, Hey, look, we, we had this program, but you know, they didn't get the, the person that's emailing is the spouse of the service member and they're, they're mad. They're like, well, no, I don't want to do that. I, I want to come to the retreat. And it's like, well, that's, I'm sorry. I don't want to, you know, so yeah. there's been that, but I mean, that's not even a bump in the road. That's just a, you know, what it's like know. going to a Chinese yeah. restaurant and getting pissed that they don't serve pizza though. Like that's not what they do. Right. That's a, it's, it's like you want a pizza, go to a pizza place. Like we're Chinese, like that, you know? And so I, I don't have a hard time in, anymore. Like, uh, that to people. I don't, I, I don't have a hard time either, but yeah. <laughs> in, this, in this PC world, I have to make sure I watch my, you know, my, uh, my level of what I oh, say. I out. get in trouble for that here. We're not PC yeah. here. So you could just say whatever you want to say. Uh, trust no, I me. Know. Yeah. I, I know. And I've heard you talk and I know that you go there. But speaking of, is there anything that does embarrass you to talk about? I don't think I'm going to, I would guess oh. the answer is no. But <laughs> So I, I end my presentations every time I get done yeah. speaking, I tell people, Hey, I know everybody wants to ask questions. I don't have time for that. And yeah. instead of getting all the same questions, I take the top three. I only get, I talk about my right arm, why I don't wear it. You know, my body overheats. 
Uh, I talk about why I moved to Maine. If I'm from Michigan, my wife grew up in Texas. And then I talk about, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, still got it, still works. And then I show a picture of my son to prove that I still do have the working parts that I need to make a baby. Yeah. And it's a pretty good chuckle for everybody, but nothing bothers me. I mean, people yeah, stare no, at me at this. So you might as well, instead of getting mad, like I'll be honest, uh, I have a, you know, tough as it come with this, my book that's out. I, I told a story. There was a little girl staring at me. She was drinking a pop from uh, Subway and I watched her have the, the soda come up the straw and stare at me. And her mom looked at her and looked at me and was like, hmm, whatever. And they just kind of brushed it off. Well, at that point in my recovery, I was not wanting to be stared at. So I looked at her. I said, you know what did this to me? The boogeyman in the closet. And he's under your bed, come for you next or something like that. And she like turned around <laughs> crying. And I felt pretty proud of myself until I thought about it. I was like, that's pretty awful. I did that. Yeah. And now people stare at me. I'm like, hey, what's up? How you doing? And when the kids are staring at me, I'm like, oh, want to see a trick? And I'll throw that in a you know, circle. I'm like, yeah. I work with Iron Man. This one, full of missiles. Can't do anything. <laughs> um, but if I can be that's honest great. with you, the, the reason that I, I can be so positive and push forward, I was sitting in Walter Reed uh, outside of a, I was getting ready to go to an empty clinic or some clinic. And the TV flashed up and they're talking about service members that were injured. I'm sorry, were killed in Afghanistan. And they showed the five guys and it just so happens one of my closest friends in the military was on that screen. Oh. And um, yeah, Francis was his name, Francis Gene Phillips IV. And he was killed out of Fort Bliss. He was deployed and, and his truck hit a bomb and everybody died. And for me to see that, you know, obviously sorrow hit and you're sad. Your buddy just died. He left behind his four-year-old daughter and his wife, Christine, who's phenomenal. Just wonderful people. His mom, who was very close with, he was just, she was a single mom, and you know, I, and I've talked to both uh, Christine and I've talked to his mom, and Christine would give anything to have him in my situation, and his mom would give anything to have him, you know, for one more conversation. And I'm sure you understand yeah. where I'm coming from with this. So yeah. for me, I think one, it'd be a selfish slap in the face if I give up myself, or you know, to to their sacrifice and your family is there's you know your sacrifice because. I have the ability. I take my daughter gymnastics, right? I, I have a son that I run around with. He's two years old. Um, my wife and I celebrate our 11th year of marriage. So yeah, I had to put my arms and legs on every day. I got to be in a wheelchair. You know, I sleep without any prosthetics. I put my arm on the charger. But think about the fact that I still get to be here. How lucky am I? And how much do I want to live for those guys, men and women that didn't make it back home and their families? Because I talk to my parents. And I don't mean to say this like rubbing it in. I, I, I know what you've been through. So People always wonder, like, how do you keep going? And the truth is, it boils down to a few things. Service members, I didn't make it back home, especially the ones that are my friends that I know. Um, and also the guys that, you know, or the, um, the doctors and nurses that worked on me that didn't give up. I mean, they had 14 hours of surgery they did where they had, they had two nurses for nine hours pump air in none of my lungs. I mean, they could loosen one tourniquet and I would have bled out and died, right? Done. But instead, they worked around the clock to keep me alive. And when I met them, they kept, wondering am I mad or upset they kept questioning him do I think this is a curse uh, not a blessing and they kept emailing my team and if I caught up with them I, and, and I met him at an event in Coronado and I broke down said, guys thank you so much for everything you made it possible for me to watch my daughter grow you made it possible you know and and now with my wife and my daughter and my son and my family and the support that I get we're going to keep doing good we're going to keep giving back and we're going to keep pushing forward to help any family and every family that we can because when I started the nonprofit for care packages, um, I realized after going on a couple trips, like snowboarding, monoskiing, kayaking, canoeing, downhill mountain biking, that I was unfortunately fortunate to be injured the way I was because I got to take my wife with me as a non-medical assistant. And I thought, I looked around, these other service members didn't have their spouse with them. And I was like, geez, you know, it's only really worth me getting better for my family. Like that's the whole drive here. So that's why we started bringing families in. I got on a tangent again. I apologize. No, I, once again, I love it. That's why I like to keep it casual and formal because we want to get to know, you know, the person behind them. Everybody is like, a per, you know, outside of what they do or what's happened to you, you know, you're a, a person. And that's one of the, you know, themes that we weave in and out of what we do because there's so much divisiveness in this country. Everybody just focuses on how we're different and why you suck and she sucks and all this. And we try to just remind everybody that like underneath it all, we're all just people want to go home to our families at the end of the day. We want to like raise our kids or or whatever it is. So it's good. Like that's why it's one of the reasons we love to just talk like this and keep it free flowing because where it goes, it goes. And you know, you, you tell your story on 9,000 other shows so people can hear all of that on some other show, you know, but we want to like give people a different, a different glimpse. So we appreciate it. And you're willing to go authentic. I mean, going. 
go. Where I mean, do I would, you want to go? Uh, yeah. I, I'd change the story up, but it wouldn't make sense. If I was like, oh, I was in a shark bite. You, know what I mean? <laughs> you um, could try, but yeah, that's that's a harder one to pull off now that you're out there so much. Yeah. I have two conferences coming up, both in the state of Maine. And the one guy that hired me for the one was all fired up. The other guy hired me. And then he's like, almost all the same people are going to be at that, my, my other conference. He's like, you, you can't, you got to write a new speech. I'm like, well, buddy, I can't not get blown up. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm going to just change it up. Call it unfortunately Can't. fortunate. Talk can you have something line. else happen to you? Yeah. Can you like get yeah. robbed or something? I don't know. I maybe, know. maybe the grace of God, maybe something else will happen to you between now and I'm, then. <laughs> I, might, I might fly a buddy and have them go tell their story. Like, some <laughs> <out there>. but <laughs> either way, either way it, it'll be, it'll be fun. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of my mentality of why I can be so positive and, and uh, keep pushing forward. You know, I just, I don't dwell on what happened because I'm never going to change it. And yeah. I just and I just keep going forward and it's not a question of like oh geez am I going to get out of bed today am I going to go forward with life because I have the ability I might as well right yeah well that sentence right there sums it up makes it sound easy though and I think there's a lot of people going through it doesn't matter what it is or how high it is on the scale of shitty things to happen it matters how people perceive it right so one thing that's shitty to one person I'm swearing all over the place. See? So one thing that's bad to one person. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm obviously offended. Like, uh, yeah, considering, considering I was an airborne infantry guy, I jump on an airplane, <laughs> you know, airplanes and kill people. I mean, bad guys. I mean, just, I get it. Like you can see how yeah. I'm very fragile. Yes. I can see that. I sense that about you. So I apologize on behalf yeah, of Thank you. Thank you. I will. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll recover now. Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> but you know, was there anything else that helped you? I mean, do you, you have, you are human underneath the good spirits and all this. So there has to have been a moment or two here or there every now and then where you just don't feel like it today, like whatever uh, it is. Right. Stubbornness. You know, um, I couldn't look in the mirror for six months when I first got injured because I went from six foot three, like 250, 22 inch biceps to like three foot six, 140. Um, and those were rough times, but nowadays I don't really, I mean, sometimes I'll, I'll have something happen where I'll drop this or like you saw me trying to shut my phone off where I started meeting. I'm like, why is this so hard? But you know, it's just, it's just all like a, like a math problem. Just got to figure it out. So there's not really a lot of days where I'm like, Oh, I don't feel like doing this. Um, I keep myself busy. I think my mind, I would go nuts if I had nothing to do. Like, you know, I'm retired with a pension, but if I just sat idle, like some guys um, decide to, I think I would go like just insane. Yeah, you'd be like a lot. keyboard warrior. Yeah. Got everybody like, online. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My wife makes fun of me because, you know, I'll go down to the, my marina and I'll book three rooms, right? And it'll be a hundred or, you know, hundred some dollars a night or whatever. And, you know, I'll make, the, I'll make the company like 300, 400 bucks, somewhere around 450. And I'll be all fired up. Oh my gosh, Kelsey, I was down there. I booked three rooms, you know. And she's like, you're down there like six hours. I'm like, well, I know. I wasn't on the phone the whole time. Obviously, I was walking around talking to people. And, she said, you know, Travis, do you realize what you get paid to go and do a speech for like for one day in this in 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 less time? I'm like, yeah, I I mean I do, but did you not hear that I booked three rooms? <laughs> and she said, you know, I think that's the reason you have that business. I think it's it's never I mean, it'll make me money, but um not like astronomical where I'm gonna be like, well, just buy the private jet and, and pop a couple bottles of crystal, as they say. But as they say. Yeah. She's like, I think you just do it because you really enjoy being, having something to do. I'm like hundred <laughs> percent. Like I didn't, I didn't need to buy it. Um, yeah. but watching it grow and I've mentioned I run for office and I'm not going to have a college degree. So I might as well make, you know, show them that I can make businesses grow. Do you say you're going to run for office one day? Yeah. Yeah. I'm probably, yeah. They won't run for Congress right now, but I told them I can't, my kid's too young. Um, and Congress doesn't look fun. I mean, really, it really doesn't look fun. You know what I mean? Like I would run yeah. and they think I would win right now against Jared Golden, who's the Congressman now. And everybody from the high ups called me and I was like, yeah, I don't think Cong I'm gonna run for Senate probably. Cause I get six years then. Um, but we're talking like 18, 20 years from now. 18. That's how long you want to wait. But till your kids are all grown and. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're going to have a lot of sporting events, I imagine. And yeah. they're going to, you know, I want to be home for a lot of it, but you know, I'm only 32. So 18 years, just me at 50 years old. It's a great time to get into, get into that stuff. 
It is a great time to get in that stuff. Wow. I just, I, I'm like, is that, is much, that no, I'm much closer to 50 than I am to 40. And I'm like, oh man, that just, I'm, I just feel old right now, but no, that's great. I'm not, run, I'm not running for Congress. But You're doing great. I mean, yeah. look, I fell apart at 25. Oh, I fell know? apart. We could, we could have fall apart stories. I mean, you literally fell apart, right? That's but I figured, yes, I get it. I get it. I was, I was cut off at the knees. You know? Yes, you and were. That, you were. Crazy. 32 years old, two feet in the grave. <laughs> that is crazy. I know, but miraculous how, how you've dealt with it. And kidding aside, I mean, I know I'm, I, maybe I seem like I don't care. I do care. Like I'm not trying to diminish what you've been through. You know, I, I just have such oh. appreciation for people who can go through hell and back and come out and like laugh about it or help other people laugh about it. And I think, uh, sometimes when I've gone into my story, people are like, Oh my God, it's so intense. It's so deep. And, and like, if you go too far in, you turn people off, right? And you get too serious and all this. So you can't, well, you yeah, can't I, go I, there. You have to find, you almost have a responsibility to, to help the people listening to the story feel a little better about it. You know? Well, that's why I, I start off all my presentations with jokes because yeah. you know, it's just, it makes people feel comfortable instead of like stare at me. Um, I mean, I walk out there and I say, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous to stand in front of you tonight. I hope I don't bomb this. <laughs> I, but- Last that, time. that was good. I will say when I watched you the first time I saw one of your talks and you gave the story about naming your daughter, I was like, Oh my God. Like you had me. I believed you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, like um, this guy. <laughs> yeah. So my, but, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. My ex-girlfriend hates that joke. Um, I, I can't see why. Well, yeah. <laughs> I know. I, yeah, I know. But yeah. she's still in my hometown. She married a guy I went to school with who's a friend, who was a friend of mine. We're not like not friends because of that. We just, yeah. You know what I mean? And my little brother still lives in the hometown, you know, and he was over with his family at a campground and he sees them all the time. And they're neighbors actually back in Michigan, like kind of neighbors, like mile away. Yeah. yeah. Well, her husband walks up and Raymond goes, why does your brother say that? And my little brother goes, do you think you can control what Travis says? I mean, that's impressive. <laughs> and, Good and, luck, uh, buddy. Yeah. And Zach, my little brother, Zach goes, he's, he's never changed. Like, I'm not sure why you think I'm going to, like he would listen to me yeah. or you. And I, don't, I don't want to do it maliciously. I just think everybody has a, has an ex-girlfriend and they can all laugh about, um, you know, things in the past that happened. So it works. And it's hilarious. It is hilarious. It's this, it, maybe it's the part about calling her Satan that has some upset. Like, you know, maybe yeah, I think that, that might, maybe yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to throw that one out there, but you know, I called my, my ex much worse. So yeah, my, my parents and my, and her parents were like, they see each other. They were, I were friends before me and her ever dated. <laughs> so her perfect. mom was like, why, why does he call her the devil? <laughs> and the mom and dad were like, oh, this is awkward. I don't. You're her parents. You tell me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't control what Travis says. I never have. <laughs> That's, good, anyway, stuff. That's good stuff. But being able to laugh about it in the middle of everything, like for me, it was a saving great. Like my husband was murdered. I'm going to a court martial. I'm in the room with the guy that kills him. I'm watching all this happens. And I was making inappropriate jokes at pretty much all times. Like sometimes to my detriment, like I'm messing with the MPs as they're wanding me and all this stuff. Right. But I mean, for some, I think humor is one of the most underutilized weapons against depression and trauma Mm -hmm. and tragedy and all that. So I think it is a real gift that you give that to your audience um, through, through your talks, um, you know, sprinkled in your book, through the interviews that you do. It is, um, it's actually a like the fact that you use your story and your experience to like help others through, but then you do it in such a way that is gracious and, and accommodates the audience because for somebody who hasn't gone through something like that, it can be very traumatic even to listen to and that you instinctively understand that and go with it, I think is great. It's like, um, have you met Dave Reaver? Do you know, have have you heard him? Like, he's a Vietnam veteran. He, he had a grenade blow up in his hand as he was about to throw it. A sniper shot it, you know, and he was burned everywhere. And oh. you remind me of how he talks, you know, he's like, talks about his ear falling off and a talk like, you know, it's just, it's good. And he, so you are one of the very few in that community. Jason Schechterly is another one who, who puts their audience at ease in a very yeah. difficult topic. And that's a gift is all I'm trying to say in my rambling way. Well, so I appreciate that. But you know, my, <laughs> My thing is, uh, I'd rather have, like I tell people, I'd rather just, you know, I'd rather be funny than just look funny, you know? And, uh, you know, <laughs> See, that's another good one. But, but we've all, we've all been yeah. to some, like you have an incredible story as well. And what you had to go through 
is awful and you found a way to get through and help people. So we're both trying to help people by me telling my story, you telling your story plus other people's story on this amazing platform. Oh, so, thank you very much. You know, it's just, it's just, you got to find a way through. And then, and then yeah. when people are so baffled, you ever get people that are just like, I don't know how you keep doing it. I don't, I don't understand. And you can't just say, well, you have to, <laughs> you know, like that doesn't, yeah. that doesn't register people. Like yeah. people are like, well, how did you even do it? I'm like, well, you have to like, well, what, what do you mean you have to? I'm like, <laughs> I had a wife, <laughs> I had, I had a kid and yeah. I still had my life. What am I supposed to do? You know, well, I don't know if I could do it. Well, let's hope you never have to find out because you'll find out that you have to. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the mindset to go into any single day of your life with either. But do you ever have a day and then I'll get back because now I'm digressing too. Do you ever have a moment where people come up to you and they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And you're like, oh shit, what happened? Like you think like something terrible happened and they're like, oh, I think of you and I'm so sad. I'll be like, oh my God, what, what, like, what happened that I don't know about? And like, oh no, remember your husband's dead. They let him go. You had all this. I'm like, oh that, yes, I get it. But like, it just becomes it, it hurts and it burns and it sucks. Right. But it just becomes like yeah. you're normal. Right. But it's not normal to people. And I think it tries, yeah. You try to make yourself no, yeah. like, and I do it too. Try to make myself as normal as a person telling me like, oh, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh my gosh, you're famous. Like, and I'm like, who, who's famous? You know, <laughs> cause I'll, I'll be in the airport now. And people recognize me. And I'm like, you know, I'm like my smile is you. Yeah, yeah. I recognize your smile. <laughs> I did. I'm like, Okay, look, you recognize the arms and the legs. Well, I noticed that second, maybe, but I saw your face and I knew it was you. But, you know, but, I, you know I that's great. Happy. That's great that you do that, that you're out there so much because it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of effort. It takes you away from your family and your home yeah. to go out on the road and do that. So that's all things that should be considered. You've met a lot of incredible people in your career now and where you are and all this. I mean, you're everywhere, right? But is there somebody that you haven't met that, is still alive. I always have to throw that one in. Yeah. But I could like send to your house today and hang out with you for the afternoon. Oh, you know, I uh, like I got starstruck twice. And I don't know really why I did, but um, Lloyd Carr from the Michigan Wolverines, old football coach. I was like, uh, how you doing, coach? I even told him, I said, you know, when they, when they fired you, coach, I almost went and been a Spartan fan. He goes, don't try to say that. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to tell him, go blue Michigan guy. And then um, first time I met President Bush Jr., I walked in, looked like a wax figure. And I was like, he, he's like, come on in, Big T. And I was at SMU in the campus. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm just nervous. I can pee right now. He goes, Bassam, jump back. I'm like, I don't have to pee. I'm just saying I could. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you awkward. want me to, I will. Yeah, yeah I'm like, this got awkward. Can I just come in, sir? He goes, yeah, come on in. <laughs> and it wasn't until later that night, I was talking to my best friend back in Michigan, TJ. And he goes, you forced him, the president. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I did. I told him I had to pee right away. First thing I said to him. But uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, it, it's. Probably not, not a good thing. I don't, I don't ever feel like I ever get starstruck. I mean, I've, I've, I've met with three of the five living presidents. Well, I guess President Bush or seniors passed on now, but I, you know, I met with all of them and Trump and stuff. And hey, if everybody, if you're a decent person, when I talk to you, that's great. I've had some people that walked up, and they were like really all about themselves. They were kind of like famous, but not really. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they were like, boo. And I'm like, oh, you must think that I, I want to have this conversation. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're not. Like one guy came into the hospital with a group of people and he was a singer on American Idol. Nobody was talking to him. Nobody knew who he even was. And like Peyton Manning was there with him and, and a couple other football people and stuff. And they came and found me because I was like, he's a nice guy. Walter, and they're like, hey, Travis, someone's talking to him. Can you just go say hi and think of coming? You know, we're supposed to be like the other way around. They come and say, hey, guys, thanks for your right. service. But yeah. yeah, no problem. I got you. And I walked over and the guy's like, oh, you, you probably want my autograph. Probably, you know, and I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, I'm famous. And you probably know. He's like, yeah. Oh, he he actually. Yeah, yeah. Oh he was God. very, very conceited. He's like, you want my autograph, right? And I'm like, no, damn. I said, bro, nobody here knows who you are. They asked me to come say hi to you because I felt bad for you. And now I have to break this for you because you really seem like a douchebag. And he went. <laughs> And I went, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to my other, I'm going to go to my other appointment that I, I was going to be late to just to make you feel good about yourself. And he's just like, well, and I just like, okay, and I just walked away. And it's probably the wrong thing to do, right? I'm not. No, perfect, it but, was not the wrong thing to do. Well, look, I say yeah, I'm That not, could have been one of the best that you never know. Maybe that guy went home and was like, well, we did like some serious soul searching and, you know, became a non-douchebag. Huh? He was just like, he probably went autograph, huh? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Cause so you said something like ridiculous, and I'm like, bro, let me tell you something. <laughs> and his whole demeanor went from like, because he was standing there like, like 
yeah. talking like this. And like, not make eye contact. Oh, with that's me. the worst. That's the worst like, when you're talking. To, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, all right, all right, buddy, we're done here. Yeah. And the one thing, <laughs> the one thing I hate at the hospital, I was in my wheelchair and like two times, like people did this. They're like, how you doing, buddy? Like rub my head. And I'm like looking up at him. I'm like, are, are, are you my grandpa? Do I call you pop pop? Don't rub my head. You know? Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> like yeah. one guy I was, in, I was in my wheelchair and he, he walks up and like, how are you doing? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm doing, I'm doing great. You know? Well, I'm just, how is it? Like, I'm like, I'm not, I, I, nothing wrong with my head, buddy. You can talk normal. And he kept talking loud. I was like, wow, you, maybe you just, maybe you're just, you know, talking slow because you can't talk faster. And I just like rolled away from him. <laughs> and he's like, well, that was rude. And I'm like, you, you idiot. <laughs> but you know, you're not, you're not going to ever Sometimes it just a, comes out. Sometimes what you're thinking I, yeah. just comes out. Yeah. I had one guy kept questioning me. I was in Colorado at a documentary screen. He kept asking me the question like, well, you know, so besides for the explosion, like what's, what's going on? What's wrong? I'm like, uh, really nothing. Like, you know, I had pretty good recovery and then he goes, no, nah, what's wrong? I'm like, no, nah, man, really nothing wrong. Wife's doing good. Family's doing good. I got these prosthetics, you know, he's like, you're lying to me. And he said it like twice. And I'm like, you know what? I can't find no one to get me on this conversation. So you need to walk away. This conversation's over. He's like, but I, I said, no, no, seriously. I, I have more people that I'm going to talk to, but this conversation's over. I don't care if you leave. I don't care if you stay, but we're not talking anymore. Yeah. And he's just was like, but you have to talk. What? Like, don't you want to talk to me and tell me what your problems are? I'm like, I don't know you. So, <laughs> I you got know, so- politely escorted out of my presidential meeting when a situation like that happened by first, oh. first by President Bush and then by Dick Cheney and the Secret Service came and finished Please. the process. So, it's yeah, so I know what that's like to be asked the question in a way that you're like, if you're really going to ask me this, I'm going to tell you, you know, but, um, so you try, you do your best, you withhold, you try, but sometimes yeah. the question comes in such a way that, um, do you don't ask yeah. me, if you don't want me to tell you. <laughs> like, well, I'll always, I'll always err on the side of being polite. I'm like, Oh yeah. Hey. No, yes. I'm really good. And then like the third time they it, do it. Like, that's exactly it. Yes. There's that it's, switch. It's like, you Oh, try Hey, your best. Let me tell you something here, bud. Okay. Yeah. You try your best. You give the answer that you know they want to hear, but if they're going to ask you again and ask you again, you're like, I don't know why you keep asking me, but okay. Like, here we go kind of thing. But yeah, so I get it. I get it. All right. So one of the things we talk about here and one of the driving reasons that we do what we do is because we got tired of hearing all these people complain about this country and talk about how the American dream is dead or how it's bullshit or it doesn't exist and all that. And for me, having gone through what I've gone through, uh, you know, and, and our family's support of the American dream, I guess you would call it, it just started to hurt and add up and build. And we realized that if people could take care of themselves and they take care of their families, their community, it impacts the country as well. And the American dream is alive and well. It just yeah. is something different to everybody. And that's the key factor. So that leads me to ask you, do you have your own version of the American dream? And what does it mean to you? Well, of course I do. I tell people how fortunate am I to live in the greatest nation in the world where not only do I lose my arms and legs and have the ability to walk and drive, feed myself, uh, sit here with you in my kitchen. My wife and my uh, son are, are gone running errands. My daughter's at school by myself doing this. And also, as I mentioned previously, I own outright one business. I have two businesses that I have partners in, insurance company in a lodge and a marina, as well as my nonprofit, which is thriving. So the American dream's not dead. I think people that say a 40 hour work week, they're complaining about, I work 40 hours and you know, I'm not getting by. Don't realize that 80 hour work weeks are more like it. Like you have to, if you're not willing to go the extra mile, then you're not going to get the extra mile. But I have a cousin I battle with on this all the time. He's like, you know, it's just not fair. It's not fair. Like I don't, and I'm like, what's not fair. Like you, you can work extra. Like you can go and you can buy a house and you can work in your off time and fix a house up and flip it. I mean, I flipped seven houses to get where I am today with my Marina and stuff like that. Like I didn't have the money going in. I just bought one and worked on it and flipped. I didn't work on it, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I, know, I kept going that way. So, I mean, the American dream is definitely still out there. I feel like, and you can be as successful as you want and you can make excuses as much as you want. You got to choose when, you know, it's going to get you farther where you want to be. So that's my take on it. Obviously white pig offense. And you know, people think about um, having that. That's, that's still out there, but you know, I just, I don't, I don't understand when people, you know, they work 30 hours a week or whatever, and then they're complaining because they, they don't want more money. Yeah, I you know, totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. If somebody wants to travel up to Maine, 
And I don't know, take out an insurance policy. Where should they go? What's well, your- if they want to get supplemental benefits insurance anywhere in this great nation of ours, you check out cbubenefits.com. Okay. It's owned partially by Travis Mills. But I'll tell you what, I make it easy on everybody. Mighty dotty, everybody. You type in travismills.org. You'll come to my website. And there's a tile right there that says CBU Benefits. There's also Lakeside, which is a bass place. So if you like bass, that's normal bass lake in Maine. If you want like the Hampton Inn style, give me two years. We're still renovating. <laughs> it's more rustic. <laughs> but we got internet and we got clean beds and they're comfortable. And we there, have you go. Beds, so. there you go. How's the trout fishing in Maine? Is there any? I don't know anything about uh, You know, I got, I got to be honest. I don't fish. You don't fish. <laughs> no, no, okay. I I don't have the patience for it. But people right. come to the state of my place because no one bass lake. I bought the place because I knew there was huge things that we could do to make the state better and make the lake traffic better. And love it. People always like, hey, where are the fish at? I'm like, in the water. I'm like, yeah, where are they catching them? I'm like, between the top and the bottom. <laughs> they look at our. our all right, lure. all right, I get. It. Yeah, I ask because my son is a huge fisherman and he. He mostly goes for trout, like he loves trout, but he's not above getting a bass. So not that that matters. I digress more than you, I think here. But Travis, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us. Thank you truly for your for your service and for the example you lead. I hope you and your wife and your kids and your family have a great Christmas. And I cannot wait to see all the businesses that I soon have Travis Mills' name on them. Your son's coming bass fishing. You're coming drinking. It's going to be great. <laughs> Perfect. All right, everyone, there you have it. That wraps up another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today and listening in to the incredible story of Travis Mills. I'd like to personally thank Travis for being here as well, uh, sharing his story and all the amazing things uh, that he is doing right now for our veterans. I'd like to personally thank him for his exceptional uh, service uh, as well and continued service uh, to our country and those that protect uh, all the freedoms and opportunities that we have here. Um, you know, just like Travis, each week we are committed to bringing you an exceptional American or story that will not only inspire you, but one that can propel you into action in your own life. And whether they are celebrities or small town heroes, each guest is a shining example of the American spirit and proves that with hard work, focus, grit, determination, and never settling for easy, that you too can design any life you choose. So if you've gotten any value out of any of the episodes that we've done, if you gotten if you got value out of today's episode, all that we ask here at American Sippets is that you uh, leave us a review on iTunes, uh, share this podcast with a friend, uh, share one of your favorite episodes on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, make sure you tag us at American Snippets. And again, those reviews on iTunes go a really long way. So if you got value out of this episode, you enjoyed this program, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you want to learn more about Travis Mills, just head on over to americansnippets.com. It's a featured article of the week. You can read the full uh, story article that we put together, the featured article that we put together on Travis on the website. Uh, Barb does an amazing job each and every week. She's an incredible writer, so it's a great read. Plus, you can watch the video interview there with Travis as well. And we include uh, social media links to his Facebook, his Instagram, and where you can learn more about his website and foundation so you can donate and support his cause. So appreciate you being here today. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. We'll see you next week.